here we are again, episode uh, three, right? Yes, yes, yes. All right. It is your favorite campus. Uncle Uncle Fred is in the building, everybody. And uh, I have my sister in pain and in struggle, also in victory. I have my sister Tamara in the building. What's good? What's shaking, everybody? All right, y'all. We are two educators on the run here. And uh, this is for the Love Up podcast. And uh, we are pretty excited. We definitely want to... uh, give praises to everybody who yes. has shown a lot of support uh, for the podcast. I cannot tell you the amount of emails, text messages, phone calls, FaceTimes, tw- uh, uh, inboxes. I don't have Twitter, so you know I'm pretty sure if I did, I probably People have a whole bunch of tweets. Us. People stopping no us. Radio shows already. Yeah, yeah so. it's it's been real, and it's it's you know a lot. Of uh, a lot of love, y'all. A lot of love. And this can only go one way, and that's up, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for all of that. So we do have some topics to discuss today. You know, but uh, before I begin, I want to give a shout out to uh, my family, to my wife, Sierra, who's at home. I want to give a shout out to my youngest, my little boy, Princeton. He just turned, (laughs) actually, he just turned six months uh, today. And uh, shout out to the beast from the east, my daughter, Carter. (laughs) And uh, to my my 11-year-old son, Nakai. Um, who actually, uh, he wants to, he asked me permission today if he could follow uh, the podcast, if he could follow the, uh, the IG page. Aww. And uh, he was like, Dad, I-, I didn't know that you had this. Oh, my God, Dad. Look, I didn't know that, uh, you know, you, you're doing this. I said, yeah, you know. He was like, so you think you sweet, huh? You, know, <laughs> you think you're the man. I'm like, oh, whatever. Just a little something, something. little something, something. Uh, anybody want to shout out real quick? Wow. Um... You know, there's always individuals um, to shout out. I think the one thing, the one um, persons or people, um, Nikita, um, Nikita, DJ Wire, just for real, for real, um, just held us down from go. Mm -hmm. um, Thanking her for, again, her brilliance and, you know, for, you know, keeping us in line. (laughs) It's just like, listen, y'all way over here. We need you to come over here. Um, I'm wanting to give a shout out to again, um, at the risk of sounding redundant, everybody who subscribed, everyone who shared, everyone who watched, listened, everyone who is along for the ride. Thank you. And, um, my daughter, um, my mini me, um, she is much more brilliant, much more bold and brave at 22 than I was at 33. So oh, when I tell when I tell you John Tay handles that thing all the way in, I, I need just to look. meet John. <laughs> you do need to meet John Tay. John Tay is the truth and her fearlessness. So yesterday was her second senior night um, for basketball, and they lost. They lost terribly, and she's such a consummate professional. She gives everything, and she said, I, "You know, it was terrible. It was the worst." And I'm like, "Huh?" Because her mom as the speaker and always thinking about things from an abundant standpoint language is everything and I'm like terrible the killer it was just a game and she had an opportunity to talk to my sister before um, I got to her because I was at Angela Davis on last night and we're really just 
wasn't satisfied with her production and the way in which she felt like she didn't show up for her team. And I said, how could you ever be mad at that? Right. You're holding yourself accountable right. when you don't owe them anything. You gave them a championship last year. You're in your first year of grad school. You didn't have to come back. Mm. I was like, come on, you broke records. You didn't scored over a thousand points there. You were just honored as a scholar athlete for having a 3.0 and have a championship. Like, I think you are pretty badass, if you ask me. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and just kind of giving her that. So just shout out to my girl, um, Jonte Guerra. Jonte, I got to meet you. This is Uncle Fred talking. I, I got to meet you. I am looking forward to yes, it. So. so, yeah, we do have some topics to discuss. Um, but listen, right. before we jump into our dis- topics, sure. we're always going to have a disclaimer. Disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. Listen. The thing that Fred and I want you, each and every one of y'all to know, and your mama and them when they're listening to, is that we don't proclaim to know everything. We speak for ourselves individually as lifelong learners, as individuals who are always open to new ideas, new perspectives. And the thing that we know is that we don't know enough. And that's why we're here on this podcast. So... If we're offering some suggestions, if we're offering some fabric, it is that there's no way for us to be able to get in depth with everything within our time slot. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, again, you know, personal opinions, uh, professional opinions, uh, you know, we we try our best to when we tackle these Mm -hmm. issues to tackle them not just out of uh, passion and emotion, but we want to be fair to you guys and give you uh, solid facts based off of uh, research experience, you know, things of that nature. Uh, no chatty patties, no gossip reels over here. Mm, say you know it, say saying? it. <clears throat> you know, fair got, and balance. Uh, everything is fair and balanced over here. So, you know, and uh, again, I want to, um, before we begin, uh, shout out to ASO. And to uh, Black Active Minds yes. for uh, uh, an amazing program that they did uh, two days ago on Tuesday uh, that dealt with uh, public education or the educational system and why people don't like to go to school or if school's fun. And it was an interesting uh, conversation in there. And I was able, my spirit led me to, mm. to, 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 to talk to uh, the youth in there. And uh, I think I did some. Uh, some positive work in there. Awesome. Yeah. So um, the way that this goes is um, uh, Tamara and I, we both have a trending topic that we want to discuss. And then we get to the meat and potatoes. The meat and potatoes being the for the love of discussion. Yes. And uh, I think we do have something that I think is applicable to uh, both undergrad and grad uh, students, especially when it comes to aspiring careers and, uh, you know, being uh, successful and what that means. So, um, but without further ado, uh, would you like to go first or me? It's, I'm good. You know me, I'm good. Okay. Well, I'll go first because I really want to know. Okay. And I really want to learn. (laughs) <laughs> about your trending topic here. Hey, so, sure. And I, and I will you be already a student. Know. I will be sure. a student uh, mm-hmm. to you. Yes. Um, so, <clears throat> my trending topic uh, has to deal with the black man and their connection or lack thereof when it comes to 
mentorship. Okay. And um, the reason why that came to mind is because I had a conversation with a colleague of mine not too long ago. And we were talking about a particular program uh, that was being hosted um, or was going to be hosted on the campus Mm -hmm. uh, that had to deal with black men. And uh, he informed me that he wasn't invited. And, um, you know, there was a concern there. There was a red flag because in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, you know what? There's a lot of dearth on the campus when it comes to black males, whether they are faculty or professional. And for those of you who don't know what dearth means, it means the lack or disparity of, okay? And, um, you know, so um, for me, I'm thinking that because there's such a small number of us on campus Mm -hmm. and such an abundance of number of black males on campus that they would try to find as many black male professionals to be a part of this. You know, and right at that point, while I'm thinking about the outreach for young black males to take the initiative to try to find mm-hmm. connect mm-hmm. and connect with mm-hmm. black professionals, um, it hit me that there might be a possible connection. Okay. Um with regards to why black males aren't reaching out to older black males or their peers who might have an advantage or or, or might have excelled uh, into a position of power or authority that they want. And I think the reason being, and hear me well, Tamara, hear me, hear me well, y'all. I think the reason for that and this is a generalized statement, is okay. because the lack of the paternal figure. In the household? In the household. Because think of it this way, right? And I'm going to use me as an example. My father and my mother were together uh, 14 years out of my life. Okay. And in those 14 years, the most that I can say about my father being a father figure for me was the fact that uh, he was a coach. And anything outside of coaching, he really didn't invest a lot into me. He didn't really pour into me as much. Okay. Okay. If it wasn't a sport Mm. or... You know, if it wasn't something of his interest, he didn't really pour into me as much. Okay. So, and by the time I was 14, uh, which is probably one of the, during a time and I'm in high school, puberty, you know, things like that. You know, one of the most formidable formidable, uh, times of a young man's life, you would think that your father would be there, right, to help you out. I'm going somewhere with this, y'all. So, um... Come to find out my father and my mother, they split up when I was 14. My brother, he was 11 at the time. Okay. And, um, you know, I started to realize that um, I had a lot of resentment towards my father um, because I was hurt and I was broken, right? Mm -hmm. Because the absence of having this 
father figure in my life during the most significant times when I needed him there, right? Um, it, it just contributed towards the pain and the hurt that I had. So um, with that being said, now I'm 14 years old moving up. I'm, I have to figure out how to be a man. Okay. Right? And now I have other older men, teachers, uh, members of the clergy, if you will, like, you know what I'm saying, clergymen, or uh, athletes, community activists, lawyers, other types of professionals, right? Um, young and old, right? Older than me, of course. Mm -hmm. Trying to uh, um, surround me in support and in love and things of this nature. But in my mind and in my heart, my being is hurt because you're not the one I want it from. Mm -hmm. I want it from my father. Where's my dad, right? My dad is not really there to show me how to tie a tie or how to do a job interview, how to do a resume, um, to, 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 to talk to me about decorum when it comes to approaching a woman, how to court a woman, right? Uh, my father's not there to, to tell me or to build me up after my first rejection when it comes to uh, women. My father's not there when it comes to um, uh, giving me uplift when it comes to uh, I didn't get that job or I didn't make that team mm -hmm. or I didn't do good on this project or, you know, I failed this exam. You know, I, I didn't have the, the luxury of having that support from, from, from a man. And of course, I got it from a strong black woman, mm -hmm. right? And at that time, that's all I really, to me, that's what I thought of all, all that I needed. All so, I needed was my mom. So then, so then when did, when did the shift happen for you? Because you believe in mentorship, you believe in sponsorship. So you saying that you can kind of see a parallel between yeah. maybe what's happening. So where, where did the shift happen so, and how do we help them? So, okay. So with that being said, right, fast forward a couple of years, right? Mm -hmm. So now this young man who is now in college, right? Yeah. Now in college. Figured out his way through high school, mm -hmm. and now is in this college stage, and now I've become a, a member of, of a fraternity. I'm a member of different student organizations on campus, you know, and I'm surrounded by males and my peers. And remember, in the first episode, I mentioned that I really didn't have this uh, trust mm -hmm. for men, but it's rooted. The right. seed was planted yes. because. The lack of the relationship that you have with your father. Right. So now, again, I have a support system of males that are young and old, my peers, and uh, those who are older than me, trying to surround themselves with me in, in, in nourishment and in love and, and in support and in networking. But for some reason, I reject them. Mm. And I continue to reject them because it's not coming from the, the person that you were looking for. That I'm looking for. Sure. Right? And so why am I saying all of this? Because I find that my experience is not the only experience. Right? Mm -hmm. My experience 
is shared with so many young males of color, right? Uh, who have gone through this experience. And some of them, some of them never knew their father. Some of them grew up with their father, but don't have a good relationship with them. Or some of them <clears throat> have grown up and with both parents or with fathers, and they find out that their father is not who they who they really are or, you know, what they intended to be, right? Like they, they put like a, a different face or a different persona on, but mm-hmm. deep down there's someone completely different, you know? And um, I realized that I think a, a, a real reason why black men resist mentorship with other black men is because of the pain and Mm -hmm. the lack thereof Mm -hmm. of the the father figure in their life. So now, you know, black men, because we could be vulnerable too. Sure. Don't want to be vulnerable when it comes to uh, another black man because there was a lack thereof. We're not really getting it from my father. We never really got it from my father. You don't know how many students I talk to that are of the male persuasion who resent and disgust and have disdain for their fathers. Yes. But it breaks my soul because of the fact, even though my father did all of that, and he's not the most perfect father, he's still my father. Sure. And you only get one. So to answer your question, when did I come into this space where mentorship is important? Mm -hmm. Last year. Wow. Wow. Okay. So that's loaded on so many different levels because I'm thinking you're going to say, oh my goodness, well, blah, blah, blah. So last year, so what was it last year? Was it when you were finding out that you were having a son? When it was find out you and Sarah was having, you know, Carter? Like what was, again, the changing point for you? And then in what ways, how might we duplicate or replicate that so then that way it didn't take our college males 34, 36, 40 years of age to get what you got? Confrontation. That's how it came about? Confrontation. I (laughs) I wanted to know the answers. I wanted to know why you weren't there. So you ha- so you had a, so a Jay Z moment I with his had, dad before he died. So I okay. had to I, I had to muster up the nerve, and I and what's what's funny is that I couldn't even do it by myself. I couldn't do it myself. My uncle, his brother, called myself and my brother over over and was like, "We need to help your father." And I'm already like, "Oh, here we go." Right. Well, help him, but what about us? Right, right. We we need to help him, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there's something going on. So we go over there and make a long story short. I poured my heart into him. Mm. And when I did that, the reaction wasn't what I expected. I expected for a hug and embrace. I love you, son. None of that. What I got was I got a chance to tap into his pain. Because then I realized that this man is broken. Mm. Something happened in his life, right? Well, that's what happened most of the Something happened in his life to make him the way that he was. And it just so happens that my mother fell in love with this man. 
right? And had beautiful children with this man, mm -hmm. but yet he did not know how to be a father himself. You know what I'm saying? So because he wasn't it's, whole. So it's reciprocity. Yeah, something true. something triggered with him, probably with his dad or whatever. But yep. something something there was a lack of something that wasn't given to him, and that was passed on to me. But I stopped that. Mm. I stopped that because I had a responsibility of my own. And it wasn't just with my own kids. It was just to yourself. It was to myself and it was to the students here on campus, to the people that I serve off campus, to my mentoring programs, to because I mean, there's the thing, you fake it till you make it, right? Sure. You know what I'm saying? And I finally made it last year when I realized and I saw the pain and I saw the um the disappointment. Mm-hmm. And I saw the root of everything. And I was just like, you know what? I don't want to be that. Mm -hmm. No more. I don't want to be that. Mm -hmm. And that's when I really realized I love my father. Mm -hmm. I love my dad. I only get one. Yes. But I understand that my dad ain't the best father. He's just not. He like he he probably wasn't shown how to be a dad. Most right? times that's right. what happens you know, within our community. But sure. then you ask your question. Well... How did you become this figure mm -hmm. to so many? How did you become a father figure? To right, so because many? we have to right the wrong. Now. How did you? How did you become this mentor to people? And I'm like, listen, it starts with a choice, but the choice has to come with the confrontation. If and in order for you to be better, right, and in order for you to be better than your father and to become this person that you want to, especially as a black man, mm -hmm. because as black men or people of color, there is absence of stuff, you know. You have to confront the reason why you want to be better. My conf my confrontation came with my father, and I realized that there was a parallel, or there was a consistency with other black men. So there's a common thread. There was a common thread, right? Okay. The issue is, is that, and what I found out as well, is that young men are afraid to confront their, father. their fathers because they are afraid of the truth. Mm -hmm. Come on now. They are afraid of the truth that you know what, son. I just was. I'm just was never made or never meant to be this good father, and I'm disappointed that I wasn't able to give you what you wanted, but, right? Or, or you know what, you you know what, like you might have been a mistake. You you weren't planned, or you know things of that nature. We're afraid to hear these things from our fathers, but what? But the miracle in hearing these things. Is that now you now it's on you. Right. You get to decide. Right. You get you to decide. You have the power to decide whether or not you want to receive that and to, to build something or to let it go or to be, you know, or to continue building up this fury like a volcano. But like volcanoes, they're explosive. They're not impulsive. They're explosive. And over time, what happens is, is that now you begin to lash out. Sure. And you lash out on everybody else. Everything you touch is on fire. You know what I'm saying? It destroys. So so what happens then if the confrontation was the thing that brought this epiphany, this new world perspective for yeah. you out? What if, again, what you believe to be true because it was true for you and so many other men, young black men that you come in contact with on the yard, 
What if they don't want to have that confrontation because they really are steeped in that fear of hearing what their father might say? Still, there has to, is there another way? In what ways, how might we still help them if confrontation isn't that avenue? That worked for you because right. you, again, your uncle ushered you and your brother into this process and then you didn't even realize that in that moment, you decided, dude, I, I got to know. So what do we do for those scholars who don't want to have that conversation, who might not even know who their father is? Father might be incarcerated. Father might be dead. But there still needs to be some resolve. They have to. My recommendation, the over the, the overlapping thing that I got from this was peace. Mm, I love it. Yeah. Mm, you have I don't like it. You have to find peace and and peace might come through pain it might come through confrontation it might come through time you know it might come through uh, you know uh, bitter experiences but the ultimate goal is to find peace with it no matter what no matter what and, and move on from it because i'm telling you when it comes to mentorship with black males and 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 and, and trying to excel the reason why there's a lot of resistance, I believe, this is my opinion, is because when they are confronted with a mentor, they're mm-hmm. not looking at a mentor. They're looking at what possibly could have been their dad, right? Like, there's like, specifically, there's one male figure on this campus that everybody knows, right? And he wanted to be a mentor to one particular student. But the student told me, like, I can't do that. Why? Because he reminds me of my father. Wow. And it was so much pain. I need to switch mentors. Wow. And I'm like, he's like, the sight of him. Just... It just enrages. puts me in a space, yeah. right? Yeah. There's also like other dynamics too, like you know, um, males, not just black men, but males, authority, power. Mm-hmm. We don't deal well when someone else tells us what to do, what not to do, how to do it. You know, we we're not too receptive of it because everybody wants to be the alpha male. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. You know, in every situation, you an apprentice, and, and and as an apprentice, you try to tell the master like, "Yo, you should be doing that." Like, right. I, I could do this better than you. The boys, right? Right. But even to get into that part, <laughs> there has to be the meeting. There has mm-hmm, to be mm-hmm. uh, the introduction, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes. Mentally, we can't even get past the introduction because mm-hmm. of the fact like we we can't back, get past what we see. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Am I making sense? Yeah, because so you know what I'm I'm going to add something to this. This reminds me of the hero's journey, mm. right? Joseph Campbell. So there are 12 steps in the hero's journey, and it's broken up. There's yeah, 12 steps, and it's broken up into three stages. The first stage is the call to action, right? So everybody has a call to action, a call to adventure, but not everybody accepts it because it requires them to go on this path, this journey by themselves. And then the second stage is this whole notion of death and rebirth. And in that, you have to determine who are your friends and your foe, and you have to make atonement with someone, and most times it's their father. Right. 
And you can't complete again the journey until you make that atonement and come out, right, with this rebirth to return to the community, return to yourself, your family, and whomever else with the elixir to make the area, make the space better. So I instantly thought of Hero's Journey. Absolutely. You know what? And I'll, and I'll end it with this. Um, for all of those who aspire to be fathers and for all of those who might find themselves in a present situation uh, where they're trying to rekindle something or, you know, they, they, they want to but don't know how to. Mm. Um, I'll tell you this. Even, you know, with mentorship and all this stuff, us as black men or people of color or just men in general, let's just throw that out there. Okay. Okay. We have to, one, be able to make a choice that this is something that we want to do in terms of like um, uh, direction, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and two, we need to also realize that it's going to be tough and it's going to be painful. Mm-hmm. Okay, and one thing I know about us men is that we don't like pain. <laughs> no, y'all walk away from it. Y'all run from like it. Pain. Listen, y'all go from one thing to the next just to avoid again. Because what you told me last time, listen, we don't want to be by ourselves for too long. We had our conversation last. No, l let me move on to this thing because for me to be by myself, you gonna lead me to my own vices. Okay, well, I need to find something else to do. I'm telling you, and we need to realize that. Us with the absence of or are trying to find the father figure or resolve or when we enter into these mentoring relationships that we have to make ourselves vulnerable mm. with those walls got to come down. Mm -hmm. We have to become fragile. Right. We have to let the blows hit and, 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 and then not be daring to throw the blows back. You know what I'm saying? Because of the fact that if we want answers, we have to allow these people, right, who have affected us, who are preventing us from moving forward, right? We have to allow them to uh, to, to lash out. Let them go let, mm -hmm. so that we can hear them, mm -hmm. right? And then lastly, before making peace, right, you have to have the ability to say what's on your mind and on your heart, too. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You're unapologetically. And you, and you can't be afraid to. Yeah, See, that's another thing. Like, to answer the question as to why people don't reach out to other folks, I really do feel that's because it's not just the fact that, oh, I don't know you're here. Oh, oh, I didn't know you were around. No. It's the fact that there's intimidation. There is... Um, there is a sense of... Like, there's a, there's a sense of fear. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, that's such and such over there. Man, go say what's up to him. I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that, man. Nah, go over there. Nah, man. Nah, I don't want to do that, man. I yeah, because we don't want. Because you know we don't want to get played. You know we don't. You know we don't want to be like, oh my goodness, I made a fool or mockery of myself, and we're so busy with these facades and we're showing up in these spaces because we've been hurt and we've been damaged, and we don't realize it's the ego and the best way to win is to give the ego what it wants. Okay, well you know what? Yup, I am coming to you, like you said, whichever. I'm coming to you vulnerable. I'm coming to you hurt. I'm coming to you confused. And I have to say what I need to say. I'm not certain what's going to happen from this point on. However, I'm here. Right. I'm here. Right. So. And that's also, again, so when you even talk about that, we can even spin off on, again, how that permeates into relationships with women. Oh, man. That, that, 
Totally okay, different okay. Topic. Totally, different topic. Totally, totally different topic. But I hope you understand what I was trying to say. Um, I hope I articulated in a kind of way, and I did use me as an example, um, which was very ownership. vulnerable, yeah. by the way. Very, and very, ownership, very, though, right? right? And uh, you know, I hope that um, young males, when it comes to mentorship and things of that nature, man, you know, a lot. Oftentimes, again, oftentimes the reason why we are not. Um, we're not willing to do so it's because we have a lot of things holding us back and mm-hmm. I find that a lot of the root has to deal with our relationship with our fathers mm, so, that atonement yeah that death and that rebirth so listen drop the information let them know how to find your um, information about your mentor um, your men's mentoring group so listen I have I, I, I work for EOP and I have a men's group that I do right I do a men's group at least once or twice a month right and so just come and check me out I'm in uh, South Wing 630 suite, you know, and uh, if you have any inquiries or anything like that, you can always drop a line in our inbox about it, yes. you know, and uh, we can go from there. Awesome. Cool. 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 All right. So awesome. what you got? That's great. That's Here great. I am. I'm about to, I'm about to uh, sit back. I'm done being on my soapbox. Here we go. That was great. That was great. Awesome. Um, you know, thinking, talking about mentorship and talking about the importance of having role models. So as we, you know, transition um, out um, of Black History Month, so we want to give a shout out to yes. your Carter um, G. Woodson, yes, baby. Yes. So we started off as a week. Yep. Came into a month. Exactly. And that's why. So we've been asked also, why did we pick the 26th of February? So we just dropped that as well. Because, again, we're not here just around um, knitting booties and trying to like, OK, yeah, we're just going to start on the 26th. No. We really, really did take time, effort, and energy into making sure that this was really, really dope and it was all for something. Right, absolutely. So, pow, pow. So, talking about the mentorship and the importance of having role models, we transitioning out of Black History Month and transitioning into Women's History Month. Mm. My trending topic is female is the future. Mm. So there's so many different places that um, one can go with this, but I want to kind of start the way in which we go about female being the future. It can only be fantastic if we're truth and talking about truth and you're talking about brilliance, you're talking about beauty, elegance and bravery, none other than Angela Davis. Mm. So Angela Davis was here on yesterday. She was at the University at Buffalo. She was her third time here. And she's one of my sheroes. She really epitomizes when you're talking about truth for me. And her talk was pointed. Her talk was straight at it. And her talk was no holds barred. She called everybody, everything, and she put everybody on notice. So when talking about, you know, females of future, she talked about how women and in particular black women have been on the vanguard from the very beginning Mm. how the black woman has been the one who was the organizers we're talking about the montgomery bus boycott in 1963 talking about again on the lowest level the black domestic working women who really took the brunt of that struggle because guess what they were the ones catching the damn bus right but they sacrificed because they understood it was bigger than them. So, you know, um, Jigga Man, Jay-Z always says, I'm not here for the short, right? I'm here for the long game. Black women have been here for the long game. We've been standing on the vanguard. When you look at even Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, the reason why 
Angela Davis was here because it was the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, again, um, speaker series for Black History Month she was the speaker for and talking about the March on Washington. It was Mahalia Jackson who said, tell them that I have a dream speech. He wasn't even going to give it. He was going to give a different one. He was going to give a different one, right? Mm -hmm. Think about all the other, all the women who really was in the background holding that thing up and they were holding that thing up. Listen, bootstraps, shoulders, gun toting, however, whenever, making that thing all the way go. You don't ever, if you never <laughs> thought a black woman was a ride or die, you are sadly mistaken because they are ride or die. Or die. And then guess what? And there isn't any other way for us. And the thing that I, when I'm talking about for me, you know, as a black woman, as a womanist, as a feminist and thinking about us being the future, thinking about Patricia Hill Collins, who came up or wrote um, black, um, black feminist thought. There's so many times that our story has been narrated for us by people who don't even know us. It's been narrated by white men. It's been narrated by white women. We like, hold up, hold up, sister girl. Hey girl, hey. You don't even know what it is to be a black woman. She talks about how we have been absent from the table, especially when it comes to social media advertisement. We're almost non-existent. So they get the opportunity, this patriarchal society that we live in to narrate and to give society what role and how they think we should be played. Let's take good housekeeping. Mm. Not a black woman ever on the cover. So what what message is that sending? That black women can't keep house? Um, um, Latino women of color can't keep house? What does that say to us? Right. Thinking about all of the commercials right now. I saw this one, I think it was like a Sprite commercial, a Mountain Dew commercial. Homeboy, young cat come out the store, he rapping, and then his girl sitting on the hood of the um, car with her foot up and some tooth jewelry, Caucasian with a flat iron. <laughs> oh my God. Help me, y'all. Help me. I'm like, what in the world? You're seeing all of these mixed messages, no pun intended, and these commercials where you're, and again, let me say this. Hear it, please. Understand this. From me, and I believe I speak for Fred as well, and he can speak for himself. It's not, for me, you can't control who you love. So I'm not against any interracial anything right. and understand that my pro-blackness does not mean I'm anti-anything. Right. I'm just pro-black. We're just unapologetically black. Unapologet and I'm an unapologetically black woman. And I love my black men. As much of the shit y'all put us through, we hold it down for y'all. We yeah. want to ride out for y'all. Yeah, we gotta take that on the chin, though. We gotta take <laughs> right. that on the chin. Listen, listen. Take that on the chin. Look, that hurt right there. That, take that it hurt. on the chin and listen, get some Neosporin and some Band-Aids. <laughs> right? So what we're saying is in this whole notion of female is the future since we've been standing on a, a vanguard for it. Listen, don't let nobody disrespect us when we're not around. Right. We're allowing everybody else to take credit for the things that we help build. Matter of fact, it's because of us. Think about even the negative connotation around the space of how the matriarch, they're claiming, again, this is also Patricia Hill Collins, that the matriarch is the reason why our kids are bad. What? Yes, because it was a woman leading the household, and that means she had to be out at work because her and her husband or her man weren't together, and then your kid is a latchkey kid. They come in, and guess what? They don't know how to act. 
because she was not at home like her counterpart could be at home to take care of her family and cook and clean and wash and pick up the whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? So again, when I'm talking about female to future, and again, I'm not leaving anybody out, but I want everybody to be on notice that we ha- we've come back and we never left, but now we're creating the narrative all of the conversation about oh you're, you're creating the narrative and you're being heard exactly right so again now finally because guess what we're stepping to the plate we're not asking again for permission we're telling you what's happening and you have and I think the reason why uh, I, I well I agree with it is because not only is it true but you have the male counterpart that is supporting yes and telling the truth finally about, about why your role has always been so significant to ours. And, and, and that's all I'm, and here's the deal. I'm not saying that every man, every black man has to go from, you know, the, the church top, the heel, the roof, shouting, oh my goodness, my black wife, my black sister, my black mother, my black, you know, woman, whoever has been here for us. But listen, don't let nobody disrespect us. Know that this thing is real. And when we're having to, boss up and we got a little bit into this on last week mm-hmm. we make more money mm-hmm. we have more degrees mm-hmm. we have more stuff mm-hmm. we're not in a position of wanting to use it against our black counterpart mm-hmm. guess what we're having to play the hand that we're dealt because the black man in some instances feel like again you said it was about status if they can't take care of us if they don't make more money Right. They feel like, what do I have to offer her? Offer me your heart. Offer me your support. Be Thank my cheer. Listen, be my cheerleader like I've been your cheerleader. Got my back. Got my, got my back. Listen, you're going to have to be like how I was with other <laughs> basketball. Well, homeboy, homeboy yes. thought he was going to the league. And, and she did. did. But she it did. was Monica. So, yeah, he's, Monica on, the cheer- right he's on the side cheering like, hey. With the baby. With the baby. Yeah. With the baby. And that's what I'm, so again, yeah. for me, when I'm talking about females in the future, we have been misportrayed, misunderstood, misdiagnosed, and unfairly characterized. I got for, two questions for you. For, 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 for us having to, again, be about our business. You got two questions. Hopefully two questions. I got two answers. The first question, did you see the, did you see the Nike commercial? The, the new Nike commercial uh, celebrating women? I did not. I don't oh, think I did. Oh, you gotta check this out. Uh, okay. I'm gonna send you the link. Matter of fact, I'm gonna post this commercial. Okay. On our IG. Okay. Page. Cool. 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 I like that. Okay. And I'm. I want you to react to it okay. because you made a statement about how like you've been misdiagnosed, you know, misunderstood, you know, uh, mischaracterized. mischaracterized. Sure. Serena Williams makes a comment in there saying, like, uh, just because a woman uh, has an attitude, now she's uh, disruptive or she's angry or something. Yeah, like because that. it came from the situation with her at the right. U.S. Open, and she but, she questioned. But, but this Nike commercial delves deep into the wow. misconception of the woman throughout the throughout the years. Wow, like, I love, I'm yeah. talking generations. Come on, right? You know, and these are Nike. Listen, Nike's been on the vanguard. Thank you, Nike. Would listen with. This and then Colin Kaepernick. Did you see this jersey? Like Listen, Nike, thank you, Nike. Nike, Nike you're on a, you're, you are even though it's even though it's about capitalism. I know, but at least you 
right, you're on the right side of history. Come on. You're on the right conscious side of capitalism, because here's the deal. Don't get it twisted. I'm a capitalist as well, but I'm a capitalist with a conscious. Right. Because again, absolutely. if I live in here in this in this patriarchal society mm-hmm. and they said it's gotta be about capitalism, well guess what I want was coming to me. Absolutely. And then my second question yes. to you. Do you think that we'll ever get to a point in time where women and men have complete equity with each other? Like we are equals. Because even now we're progressive, we're getting there. We're sure. we're, we're we're more so uh, pushing towards being more progressive, right? Yes. And and, and uh, having the idea of equality on all scales. But do mm-hmm. you, do you actually think that there will come a time where we will get there. So as an optimist, as an individual who believes in abundance, and as an individual who believes in the changing face of America, when you look at Alexandra, when you look at Rashida, when you look at Ayanna Presley, Christian Gillibrand, and my girl, Kamala Harris, we now have more women in Congress than ever before. More women of color are running. You're having different social economic backgrounds, sexual orientations. Ethnicity, you saw the sister, the native sister who went into her um, traditional yeah. wear. Like, yeah. we, 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 listen, we will no longer take the back seat in awe. And I believe that with the changing of the guard, I believe the conscious male. No matter what color you are, I believe the conscious male will want to stand next to the female counterpart, whether he's married to her, whether he's respecting her because that's his sister, his niece, his mother, or his grandmother. I, again, have to believe that at one particular point, we will ultimately have equity. I don't know if it'll be before, it'll be during our time frame. Right. Because again, when you're thinking about women still not being on parity with men for same education, same experiences, and still getting paid less. But yes, I, I, I as an optimist, I'm going to say yes. Listen, let me tell you something. I have, um, I have a, a friend who has a son. Right? Okay. And he plays baseball. And... One day he was at practice, and he's still developing the skill to really throw, like, a, you know, throw a ball. I think right? I know. We go. And, you know, somebody um, somebody said, oh, man, you throw like a girl, man. You throw like a girl, right? Mm-hmm. Now, little did they know, his mama played baseball, mm-hmm. right? And so... You know, usually in times like that, like a little boy, his confidence is crushed. He's like, well, what you mean? Uh, you know, no. You know what this boy said? I love it already. This boy looked at his mom and said, yeah, I know. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know because saying? his mother was handling his business. So again, talking about, you know, your um, friend and his wife and their son changing the narrative. So that's what happens with your two boys you are already teaching them to respect their mother and their sister and, re- and seeing them as equal. Yeah. Carter ain't going to be the one that's the only one cooking and cleaning and doing Absolutely dishes. Absolutely not. Kyle, you, your day for the cleaning is today. And then, Carter, you take the garbage out the other right. day. Yeah. Understanding that it has to be equity right from the beginning. Absolutely. And we're not, again, frowning upon it. And you know what? Dove did, because I'm, you know, not in, I fell out with Dove because of their foolishness. Their commercial around run like a girl 
Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, I do. How you run like a girl? You you know how you run? Fast. That's how you run like a girl. Yes, fight like a girl. Yes, I'm going to knock you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to give you everything that I have. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, you know, just talking about, you know, female is the future. Remember, we can only be fantastic if we are truth. And when you're thinking about all the brilliant women that I named that are in Congress and then my girl, you know, um, Angela Davis. And when you talk about truth, I'll end with this. She said that she's from Birmingham, Alabama, right? And that's where uh, my mom's not even far from there right now. And um, my um, maternal, I'm grandfather, right, and my people. She said she was to do, to receive an honorary award. Mm -hmm. But because of her outward conversation and disagreement with the treatment of the Palestinian people, they rescinded the gotcha. honorary award, right? Okay. So she was she was like, okay, cool. She ain't flinch, she ain't trip, she ain't cuss him out, she ain't give him a tongue lashing, because you know she can. Then when her people, us, individuals who love and respect her and know that again they're on the right side of history, like you said, they pitched the fit. Then the organization rescinded the rescind, however you say that. <laughs> And she was like, okay. And you know what? She was so graceful when talking about it last night. And she said, well, I'm hopeful, you know, cause I had attended on plant, you know, attending and receiving the world. But after they rescinded and all this other stuff, you know, then my, my life goes on. And she said, I'm hopeful, you know, to, you know, receive it and, and go back and whatever. And she said, and regardless of whoever or however, the organization is an upstanding organization. Mm-hmm. All, black women have always had to be above reproach. Absolutely. Even in the you've face of it. We have always had to work twice as hard yes. for twice as little. Twice as little. Always above reproach. A class act. Now, had she been a white man or even a black man and somebody to say something negative about the organization, guess what? It would have been understood. Right. But again, she understands. First and foremost, she probably she understands her worth and she understands her validity. And she what? Listen, I asked y'all for that. I have all the validation that I need. I took my case and fought for myself and won. Hello, because I'm not going to allow anybody to narrate my story or tell me what I can and cannot do. Amen. Because guess what? I am the captain of my own ship. Right. Absolutely. So, female is the future. I'm on, you know, I'm just on fire right now for a lot of Amen. different things and just this platform. And I, I need all of my brothers to come along for us. Man, and then, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> Just like how, like you know, she mentioned about how the conscious man is going to step, stand yes. next. Got to gotta be conscious stand and secure. I'm gonna tell you something. You better make the wise choice. Come on, like, hello. Are you, you better get make left? the wise choice because if you don't, you're gonna be left behind. Listen, you already took it. You're gonna get. be left behind. Like we, like us as men, we have to come to grips and understand that. Women are doing just as much, if not more, like you said, right, than us men, right? Like, but we're know, not using that for comparison. No, but it's not. But it's but not. They, but some but men think about reality. it. That it absolutely. But, but some men think reality. it has to be about comparison. Right. Like my my wife. My wife is one of the very few in number black yep. women who graduated <laughs> from Duville, right, uh, uh, as a doctor of physical therapy, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not by accident, right? And she had to work twice, three times as hard mm-hmm. 
you know, amongst her her cohort yeah. because the massive majority of them were white. And they were white women or white males, right? So, you know, every day was a competition. Every day she was uh, being held at a certain standard, right? You know, every day she had to make sure that she was there on time. She had to be there early. She had to make sure that she studied for exams. She had to sacrifice time away from me and our son. She, you know, while these other folks, they out there, they're... They're, they're, they're privileged. They're pri- you know what I'm they're saying? Privileged. Right, they're, they're privileged. Safe. It's privileged. But she's... Putting in work. I'm talking about like being at the library, okay, until four or five o'clock at night. Sometimes we're with her in just the so library, be there by herself. just so that she's not there by herself. And we're her cheerleaders. We like, you know, we see her. She's just fatigued, and we like, no, keep going. You, you need some water. You got some snacks for keep you. Going. Look, we gonna get you something. Keep we gonna going. get right the back. Finish line is right there. That's keep all going. I'm saying. Can, let's get this thing all the way together. Right. Let's get this. We're not, again, weren't interested in playing this role. It was given to us and we picked it up and we just said, okay, we're going to go with it. Right. We're going to go with it. So right. um, you said, again, anybody, get right or get left? Get right and get left. <laughs> get right Get left. There it is. There it is. There it is. Amazing topics, people. Yes. We come on with some substance. Come on. We come on with things that, you know, we, we know y'all talk about, <laughs> but we know you're not talking about them like that. That's right. That's you know, right. Put some funk and some stank on it. These are some things that you just need to consider, you know. So um, let's, last topic of the day. Yes. Okay. So we had... Um, a question. Uh, a, a question. Already, right we off the a, top. We had a question, and it dealt with um, college to professional life. Right, and so it's, it talks about, in your words, rigor. Right, um, rigor when it comes to uh, college content education mm-hmm. and translating that or applying that education to the workforce. Mm-hmm. And um, in this question, I thought about it, and uh, I just want to share my two cents. Okay. About it. I'm here. Okay. I'm here. And because, you got as, me. because as promised, I said that I would address and tackle uh, this subject matter, um, and and I felt the need to prioritize it because you know someone directly reached out and was like, "Hey, I want y'all to talk about this." Straight off the rip. Right. Thanks so, for the question too. So. When we talk about, let's start with undergrad and then we'll work our way up. Sure. It is important that when you come to school, that you know what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Right? Because when you know what you want to do, you have an idea. You have a vision. You can see it before you see it. Right? And so now you begin to sculpt. You begin to roadmap. map. This vision, mm-hmm. right? You start mapping out your steps. You got steps A, B, C, D, E, F, all the way up to Z, right? right? So the first few few years in your college career, you are in the major, or you might not even be in the major. But let's start with those folks that's in the major. You're in the major, and you know you're learning about content, 
right? And a lot of this content that you're learning is by rote, meaning like you got to memorize it. Mm. Well, and then you got to regurgitate it. And then you got to regurgitate it, mm. right? Okay. But my advice is that what you are learning by rote, internalize it. You have to you have to be able to even at such an early stage have a conversation with someone about it. Mm-hmm. Like I theory find, and application, right? Theory I feel like I find myself to learn something a little bit more and to internalize it when I'm speaking to someone about it. Teaching it, right? You know, like right? we're teaching each other, right? And then once you start to master this content. Now, by your junior year, you have to, or your sophomore year, you have to begin thinking about, well, what kind of internships can I have that's going to be able to uh, help me to uh, apply a lot of this content that I'm learning mm-hmm. about in mm-hmm. school, right? So and that, that's when it becomes very significant because you have the power to choose, mm-hmm. right? Which internship works for you and, and what you want to get out of it. Mm-hmm. So you have to be very intentional when it comes to selecting an internship, because when you do so, you know, there's certain expectations that you have. There's certain weaknesses that you want to address. There's certain strengths that you want to promote and praise. Right. Hopefully that when you do that, this internship or this external service learning uh, episode or experience that you have, you want to be able to make such a good impression that they're either going to recommend you for a job Mm -hmm. because every Every internship experience that you get, you want to work as if like you want to have a job there. Mm-hmm. Right. You want to leave that type of lasting impression or you want to be able to build a network of support yep. where the time comes and you graduate. They'll be able to make a recommendation for you. They'll be able to pull off a character reference for you. They'll be able to point you in the right direction of someone that might be able to suit your need or try to get you into the direction that you want to get into in terms of your aspiring career, mm-hmm. right? Now, by this time, you would have already had at least two mm-hmm. internships. Is that sure. fair to say? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And they don't have to be in season. When I say in season, I'm not talking about in terms of college. I'm talking like in terms of like, what are you doing in the summer? Yeah. J-term. Right? J-term. What are you doing? You know, you, you need break. to... You instead of going to Cancun, going to Miami, Aruba, Cuba. You know what I'm saying? Instead, listen, instead of faking it until you make it, you know, you need to invest in yourself and you need to put in that work and you need to get those experiences because dare to be different. Mm-hmm. Don't be the common person. Mm-hmm. Don't be the person that's like, yo, spring break, I'm about to go ahead. I'm about to I'm not, and, and 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 let me say this. I'm not saying you can't have fun or you can't designate a time to have fun because everybody needs to have some time to release, right? They need to have some time to just whatever. But at the end of the day, what I'm saying is, is that if you're talking about application and building into a future and equipping yourself to when that time comes to when you have a career, you have to invest, Mm self-invest, right? And you have to put yourself as the priority before, uh, uh, before the fun. You have to be the focus. Yeah. You have to be the 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 the, the you have you have to be the, the, again the priority. You just have to. So by the time you graduate, you have one or two things that's going to happen. Either you jump directly into the working field or the profession, mm-hmm. or you go to grad school. Mm-hmm. Now let's say you want to go into the profession. Hopefully by then, 
You have worked uh, countless hours of experiences, Mm -hmm. you know, and when you apply for these jobs, they will see that in your resume. They will see these experiences. See, one of the one of the things that and I know I don't want to go off topic, but this is kind of relevant. One of the things that hurts young college applicants when it comes to finding a job Mm -hmm. is the lack of experience. And and, and and the job that you're applying for. Sure. But that could be countered or addressed when you're in college, even in your first year, right? Your first year, you're, you're looking for these experiences, mm-hmm. right? That will be able to help you build up these skills that these employers will be looking for, mm-hmm. right? So you, again, you have to have a game plan and you've got to be intentional in that game plan and you got to map it out. Yeah. You know, there's no excuse as to why you can't. So, or you can go to grad school. Now, if you go to grad school, you have to be very strategic in the program that you pick. Because if you don't notice, when you go to grad school, that's the real school. And you can't get anything under a B, or you that, will get that's kicked the real out. School. You'll you'll have that, you'll have no semester because it's over. I, I'll never forget. <laughs> I'll never forget. I heard this at a presentation. They said when you go to undergrad, undergrad everybody's like robots, right? You know, you learn by rote and all this other stuff, and you know you memorize, you regurgitate. That's pretty much as an undergrad. But when you go to grad school, then they start asking instead of saying, "Hey." You know, what did I say or uh, what did I teach you? Now they're asking you, hey, what do you think about that? Mm-hmm. And well, now we want you to leave this topic for the whole class period, right. you and your colleague. Uh, what do you mean? What do I think about? It? Yeah. What do you think about it? I know you. I know you read it. Because if it's not, very you should clear you read it. And if not, you shouldn't be here. Right. So grad school, you have to find a program that not only do you have an interest in, but something that's going to complement the skill set that you need that's going to get you to your ultimate goal. Right. And then even in grad school, you have to ask yourself, okay, is that where I stop? Or do I continue to achieve? Right. And so to answer my man's question after this big old drawn out thing that I just did, I think to address the question is investment you have to be invested in yourself and you have to be intentional in all experiences mm-hmm. right because <clears throat> one of one of the one of the uh, subjects in the question was the fact that he felt that he couldn't really apply mm-hmm. a lot of the things that he was taught right because a he 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 wasn't really uh he wasn't put in a position where he could apply those things Right. Or apply those skills. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, uh, uh, compared to his counterparts, he might have felt like he was behind. Sure. You know, or, you know, compared to other schools or mm-hmm. other students that come from different representations of, of different universities. So my thing is this. It doesn't matter where you come from, what school you go to, mm-hmm. those experiences that you get. Mm-hmm. You have to take those experiences for the ultimate setup. Right. Like you, you have to you have to position yourself. In such a way where you can be able to take your skills and have something mapped out where you know for a fact your skills are going to be useful. Mm -hmm. Not to say that he isn't useful, but I think that especially in specific 
areas, mm -hmm. professions, right? You know, such as like banking or, you know, finance or education, um, uh, uh, criminal justice, you know, stuff, mm -hmm. things of that nature. It's important to, to continue to, um, it's important to put yourself in a position where you know for a fact that the skills that you're going to uh, be using will be applied. And that's also in the fact that when you are job searching, you need to find out in the description that these are the things that they're looking for, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Like these are the things that they're looking for. You know for a fact that the skills that they're looking for are things that you've already tapped into, you learned about, and you know you apply. And then when you interview, you know these uh, with these places of employment, you ask, "Hey, listen, I learned about this in school. You know, do you think that they're according to your description? It says that I'll be able to do X, Y, and Z. You know, like you you have to be able to inquire." If these mm -hmm. skills that you learn about is going to be a, a, of use. Sure. Right? I mean, is that fair to say? It is. I, I think one of the things um, that might differentiate, so you hit the nail on the head around the internships. I think the differences that I see, that we see in higher education between our scholars who are at the most urban institution of the 64 versus a UB and or Canisius. UB is the one research institution, right? right? Canisius is private Jesuit college experience, D1. D1. Buffalo State, again, most urban. For me, when you're talking about the disparities possibly in rigor, then you have to make it up somewhere else. So internships and what's happening with our scholars they're having to work regular jobs because they're paying yeah. their own bills. They're yeah. sending money home to their families. Yeah. They're helping their mother and fathers out with their siblings. Yeah. So the thing that I'll say is if those are the things that you can't get from under because they're a part of your responsibility and you're taking that on, yeah. the way to leverage the difference is allow people to pay you for being smart. I'm going to give you an example. One of the scholars here on campus, he's a C-Step scholar. He's a Nesby scholar. When I tell you he's a senior right now, get ready to graduate. He allows people to pay him to be smart. He's never worked a job. He's always had internships over the summer. He had two internships with Dow, Fortune 500 company in New Orleans, mm. and a company that was here. Came to me, we talked about it. I said, you already know what you're gonna do. You just want to hear it out loud. He took the Dow experience, but he handled himself professionally. Then when he came back for the fall, this fall, fall 18, mm -hmm. went back to that local company, said, I'm here, I'm available. If you have anything, picked him up because he knew he was in demand. Guess what? That doesn't even stop there. You make yourself marketable. Listen, doesn't even stop there. They offered him already a job. He won't graduate until May 19th. $70,000. He all a night started. He all a 19, 1920. Started. Started. Guess what? They were even offering him a sinus bonus because guess what? Homeboy is getting ready to go to a conference in Detroit. He said, he come to me again. I said, you already know. If she's offering you 70, you probably worth 150. Mm -hmm. I said, and she knows this. So they were trying to pressure him. And then he told her, I'm getting ready to go to this conference and I'm going to look to see. She said, you know you're going to get something. We know we're going to get something. So allow people to, one, pay you to be smart. The other thing is when 
There is a difference in terms of rigor and the institution. Connect with somebody at UB or Canisius in that particular department. Buddy up with somebody. Look at their syllabi. What are the professors at these other institutions, these Yales and these Harvards and these Browns? What are they teaching? And then how do you, again, align yourself with a professional organization because they call it what student discounted rates yeah. get in with that and then your favorite get a mentor in that particular field right. to help you with the application right. of how do you stand out because at the end of the day some things you just can't overcome a buff state can't compare to UB we shouldn't even be trying and, uh, and to also, so that's and, what I say and, with and, that and also you know to add to that um, when you, you spoke about uh, connecting with these teachers um, one thing I will say is you got to challenge these teachers. Absolutely, you do. You, you sure them. do. You know, because just because they're, they're teaching content, but now we're talking about application, right? There was this one presenter. He and their con- me, is their content up to date? What conferences they've been listen, to? Let me tell you something. I went to this presentation. This guy was all about financing, right? Mm-hmm. He said that when he was in college, right? And he, was, he went to one of his professors. And we talk about application. This professor knew everything there was to know about financing and all this kind of stuff. He asked him one question. He said, Professor, with you knowing all this stuff about financing, are you broke? Mm. Come on now. Are you broke? Are you in debt? Like, are you broke? And the professor was appalled. He's like, well, what do you mean? He was like, well, if you know all these systems, you know all these algorithms, you know all this stuff, right? You should be loaded. You should you should be rich. You should be loaded. And the professor couldn't answer the question. And he was like, you know what? This is when I knew for a fact that I had to outsource other information mm. outside of this. Because I knew for a fact that how can I invest in something, but the people that's teaching me ain't living what they're teaching. Come on. And that's one thing I, I tell, listen, my scholars, I am an active practitioner. Listen. You see me in the field grinding. Listen. You see what I do. Listen. You see what I pull up in. This right here ain't a lie. That is, I love that because, and that's one thing our scholars don't do. They don't ask questions. I invite my scholars before they even start. I don't give out a syllabus to the second day. Right. Sometimes the second week. If you're not willing to be on the vanguard to change the world on your own terms, even if you are wrong, if you're not willing to disagree, even to disagree with me because I don't have all of the answers and you're not willing to go to bat for your education, this class ain't for you, Boo Kitty. Mm, I feel you. So I, I hope I hope that. You know, that question was answered because, again, you know, um, we do care about our students. We care about our audience. Um, you and know. if not, hit us up. You know, if right. there's something more specific if or if there's need a particular clear, area, an area know. that you want us to go in, we will make that happen. Right. If you need to, if, and that's for anybody. Sure. For, that's for anybody with any content. If we didn't tackle it the way you need to and you need further clarity, hit us up. And we'll be more than happy to clarify. To it. break that thing down. Absolutely. Awesome. So, I mean, there we go. There it is. That, those are our subjects for the day. Episode three for the love of. For I the am love your, of. I am your favorite campus uncle. Uncle Fred is definitely in the building. And, and I'm with my sister in pain and the struggle and in victory. My sister Tamara. That's right. The you know liberated project chick herself. Absolutely, man. We two educators on the run and we out.